You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and outside the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio, welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. Alongside Joe Hopkins and Mike Chappell, I'm Dave Griffiths. We appreciate you joining in on, if you're in central Indiana, this snowy Wednesday as we uh, tape this pod. Everyone uh, stuffed in their own houses. I'm the only one who braved the elements uh, out here to actually get to the office. Everyone else slacking off today, but still, we are here. We are bringing you the latest Colts news. Uh, We'll be discussing the free agents on the Colts roster uh, entering this offseason and their importance to the team, chances they resign them, all that stuff. Um, uh, so that's uh, that's kind of going to be the meat and potatoes of this podcast. But before we get that, we are going to discuss uh, some some news bits, some uh, some coaching search updates right now. Uh, so let's dive into that first. Uh, around the league, Dallas Flowers, Colts undrafted rookie, was named to the Pro Football Writers of America All Rookie Team as the kick returner. Led the NFL, in fact, in kickoff return yards per kickoff return. I should say at thirty one point one. He started maybe halfway through the season and. Uh, he would have led the NFL in kickoff return yardage if he had actually started at the beginning of the year uh, because of, well, several reasons, including the number of kick returns the Colts got and uh, and him averaging over 31 yards uh, per kick return. He's, in fact, the first player since 2019 to average over 31 yards per return with at least 20 attempts. Chap, when, when Dallas Flowers took over, he certainly was – I don't think that, that – the, what they had before was bad. Isaiah Rogers was still a pretty good kick returner, but a lot of the time when he was in the end zone, like he would you just down it or he would let it go. It seemed when Dallas Flowers took over, they had him come out more often than not, and that's probably because at that point they finally realized the offense wasn't providing the spark they needed. They could see if they could get it from the kickoff return, and Dallas Flowers did provide a spark uh, more often than the average returner, so kudos to him for this for this honor. Yeah, that's always that balance. You, you you get the twenty-five yard line on touchbacks, but he he gave him that boost. And there were a couple that you think, uh, yeah, you should have just sat. He had that one. Remember, he took like nine yards deep. That's a bit bold, but especially when you have an offense that is struggling as bad as the Colts did all season, you look for any way to score. The problem is when when he brings it out from deep and you don't get past the fifteen or twenty yard line, then you're making it that much harder on your offense, but he was a bright spot and we'll see if that's, if that continues moving forward again, Isaiah Rogers has been the guy, but it's always great to have uh young fearless options at kick return. Cause you've got to be just a little bit crazy to kick return kicks. And Joe, uh, let's, let's talk about just the dynamic between Dallas flowers and Isaiah Rogers here. Not, not that, like I said, everyone, anyone was calling what Isaiah was doing uh, below standard. I thought that he was just fine as a kickoff returner, if not a little bit above fine. Um, he, he had a couple kick returns that he, that he looked quite explosive this year, but if he's going to be more along the lines of a full-time starting cornerback, which I think a lot of Colts fans want from him, they're uh, optimistic with what he can do. Um, it would probably behoove the franchise for someone else to be the primary kick returner, and Dallas Flowers has kind of shown glimpses that he can do that. Yeah, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but there's a good chance that he will be the full-time cornerback going into next season. Um, depending on how free agency works out, the contract status of several of the cornerbacks is very much in question going into this year. So, um, you know, the more explosive players you have, the better. And Flowers himself got some play on the defensive side of the ball towards the end of the year. So um, maybe he'll find himself in a similar situation to Rodgers in a year or two. Yeah, he can be your your uh, your dime cornerback maybe because you got Kenny and Rodgers and maybe Gilmore uh, there as well. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what role he carves out for himself on defense. But But he certainly has a role on special teams. And uh, those are the guys that, especially on their first contract, that you love, guys who are consistent in that area. Um, so, so he certainly has a spot on this Colts uh, roster. Another undrafted free agent success story here for this franchise, uh, Dallas Flowers, a pro football writers of America, all-rookie performer as a kickoff returner after finishing fourth in the NFL in kick return yardage, in spite of only being the Colts' kickoff returner for about half the season. Let's talk about the coaching search. Some updates. Over the weekend, the Colts officially interviewed Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator for the Cowboys, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator for the Giants, Wick Martindale, the defensive coordinator for the Giants, who we discussed all of these uh, guys last week. 
Now, the NFL Network's Tom Pelissero has reported that Quinn is one of the top candidates, and the Colts plan to bring him in later this week. Uh, I'll include uh, something that uh, is a little bit uh, uh, further in our rundown, but uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported the uh, the Colts want to conduct second-round interviews with seven candidates, and that includes Jeff Saturday. ESPN's Dan Graziano says second-round candidates include Igero Ivero and Raheem Morris. So we have four names of at least seven that they want to go on for second interviews with Ivero, Morris, Dan Quinn, Jeff Saturday. Um, so out of all those, out of all those guys, you have Saturday, the guy who was here, two retread coaches in Raheem Morris and Dan Quinn, who I think I've already said enough about them last week. I don't need to say any more. And Igero Ivero, a uh, young up-and-coming defensive coordinator there who had a pretty solid season with the Denver Broncos. Uh, chap from, from that list, I don't think there's, there's too much surprise uh, in terms of getting a second interview. Um, but uh, I, can you glean anything uh, fr- from this, or is it still kind of a, um, a uh, what is it, an incomplete uh, grade right now just since there, you figure there's a couple other guys that the Colts haven't interviewed yet uh, because of uh, scheduling issues with the playoffs and all that? Yeah, I, I, it's really hard. To, whatever you glean from it is, is what your own opinions on, on which direction they should go. If I had to come up with my top five or six, it's it's Steinchen, Callahan, Quinn, Ryans. Is it Bisaccia? Saturday, because Saturday's going to be in. He's, he's going to be in it, and maybe Raheem Morris. Uh, what one thing that that. We've we've been talking about this among the, the writers, and I, I've contacted the league. It's my understanding that they cannot contact uh, D'Amico Ryan's until the Niners are done, because they did not get that first interview in. So, and if now that that's why you can't talk to the to to, to the Callahan and Steichen and and. Uh, Eric Bieniemy this week. Next week you can because you had the first interview. It's my understanding that since they did not remember Ryan's canceled his scheduled interview, they don't get the first crack at Ryan's until the Niners are done. That's just the way it's set up is to protect, I guess, the team, the the, the team with with that coordinator. So if if they really consider D'Amico Ryan's a strong strong candidate. This, this it could drag out if, if the Niners win this weekend, but uh, I I keep coming back and we won't we we beat this to death last week and, and and so I won't this week, but I still prefer well I, I prefer a coach with experience you know and we we went back and forth on Dan Quinn, but what I really prefer is an offensive coach because. Everything you do moving forward is going to depend on your quarterback and how he develops. And if you bring in a defensive coordinator as your coach, he's got to bring his he's got to bring his own staff. And all of the name proven coordinators or quarterback coaches, they're employed. You're not gonna you can't really poach coaches from other teams like that. So I still, with as much as rides on the quarterback, I I, I lean towards an offensive coach. But I don't think the Colts are going to tip their hands other than when it when it comes out to confirm who they've talked with. But it's just going to be like amongst us, which one do you prefer? And we all have varying opinions on it. Yeah, uh, I, I think we can all agree that the head coach is just the start uh, of, of the things that uh, have to happen to this coaching staff and this roster um, in order for the Colts to, to become a, a, a more successful, we shall say, franchise during the um, – uh, in in what really matters, which is wins and losses and making the playoffs and making some noise there, but uh, uh, Joe, when you when you look at the D'Amico Ryan situation, which which is Chap has reached out to the league, like he said, I'm sure you can you guys can all follow Mike online uh, on Twitter at mchapel51 for updates on this. Follow him, uh, his stories online fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. I mean, I I know that Joe, the Colts have said that they're they want to be patient. This could go into mid February, but if indeed the case is that Ryan's now can't interview until he's done, which could be after this weekend if the Eagles beat the 49ers, but if it's all the way to the Super Bowl and you're doing all these second round interviews with a bunch of other guys, I I just find it hard to believe that they would have all these second 
round interviews in-house and have to wait two, two and a half weeks after that to even have a first interview with Ryan's before they really made their decision. That would be really putting things off uh, quite dramatically in, ter- in this coaching search. In-, in spite of the fact that you say you want to be patient, that would be maybe a little bit uh, just uh, delaying things a little bit too much, at least from my from my opinion. Do you have thoughts on the matter? Yeah, there does become a point, you know, you scheduled the interview with the Colts the Saturday before the 49ers and Cowboys game, and he canceled um, two of the interviews. I believe he canceled interviews with Indianapolis and Arizona after taking interviews with Houston and Denver. So who maybe in his mind, he's already decided who he would like to be the head coach for and canceled the interviews he was less interested in. I don't know. That's all speculation. But in terms of the Colts, there does become a point where maybe one of your top guys takes job elsewhere because you're waiting so long. And, you know, if you're a coaching candidate, there's no guarantee that the Colts are going to offer you the job. And if you get an offer to job somewhere else, you know, I, I would feel like I had to take that job just because, you know, there's no, there's only 32 of them. So you kind of got to take the ones you can get in a lot of scenarios. So I think Ryan's while not completely out of it for Indianapolis, um, his chances are definitely diminished, especially if, he ends up going to the Super Bowl. Maybe it was a good thing for him that he uh, said no to the Colts and Cardinals because his defense came out and was spectacular uh, against the Cowboys. Made Dak Prescott look like a throwaway quarterback, uh, which he should have done more, throw the ball away instead of uh, what he did. And we, we have to bring up the Cowboys' final play of that divisional round game, guys, because like I tweeted out, I'm sure every Colts fan had the exact same thought when they saw this uh, this ramshackle uh, formation on this very last play of the game. Like, I- I've, I've gone back and forth on this in my head. Like, which play was worse? The Colts' fake punt play or this Cowboys attempted, whatever you want to call it, final play of the game? Because the Colts' fake punt play was just so abysmal. It was laughable. This one is dumbfounding to me because it's your last play of the game, the very last play of the divisional round game. You go out there and you have a plan to snap the ball where Ezekiel Elliott is your center and no one's even remotely close to him. Everybody else is split wide out there. It was, like I said, it's completely dumbfounding to me that somebody put this play, that Kellen Moore put this play in the playbook and second of all, that he actually ran this play. Third of all, that he ran this play at the most important play of their season. I was, I was so beyond. As an Eagles fan growing up, I, I laughed heartily. As a, uh, as a distinguished journalist, of course, I was just completely dumbfounded by the, uh, by, by the decision that they made. Is there any saving grace, uh, chap? Do you think to, to this play call that that the Cowboys had? No, two things jumped to my mind, and one is, did this work in practice? I mean, I mean you, you run plays, but for, for certain times, yes, this is a emergency. Hey, what do we got to lose? But did it work in practice? You know, did, did Ezekiel get steamrolled in practice? And, and second, I, I wish I could have known what Colt Anderson and Griff Whalen were thinking at the time. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah, it, this one was worse because of the setting. And keep it's, it's not like this was at the twenty yard line and they were trying to. It would have taken you know five miracles on, on to happen, but to think that they actually said you know, this is the right time for this play. And uh, again, as somebody mentioned, that might be Zeke Elliott's last play, with the Cowboys for a lot of reasons. Can you imagine his last play is, you know, on his rear end getting steamrolled at center? So yeah, that that was pretty comical. I'll say this. If that play worked in practice against a Dan Quinn-led defense, that should eliminate him from consideration from anyone who is considering him as a head coach. And that's all I'll say about that matter. You're a dog that's not letting that bone go, are you? I absolutely will not. Joe, what would you think about that play? I definitely laughed in the moment when I first saw it. I didn't expect it to kind of blow up on social media like it did. It would have taken a miracle like Mike said, for them to score anyway. So I guess they were just like, well, I bet they haven't seen this before. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, it wasn't... uh, Never mind. Go ahead. Yeah, I I don't have much to say about it. It was funny. It was comical. It didn't work. But whatever they did probably wasn't going to work anyway. You know, and one thing that came out of this, 
And because we're media, I really paid attention to it. Did you see how the Dallas website kind of trash deck Prescott? I mean, I mean, yes. you know, you know, two turnovers and self-inflicted wounds. And, you know, I thought, wow, you know, could you imagine if Colts, if the Colts had done that, would have Matt Ryan on there every week. I, I, I thought that Chris, was really poor taste for, for, for the, for the home team to trash his quarterback. Chris Ballard would have gone on a rampage inside West 56th street. If the Colts Twitter account and Colts.com tweeted anything or wrote anything even remotely resembling what happened because uh, uh we we know what happened there uh when kevin bowen who used to work for colts.com when uh when he split with the team uh was a, an issue that was so much less so much more minor than than what happened here in this situation. like i can't imagine what what chris bowd would have done if if this is something that that had happened um, in his franchise. So like crazy, just, just completely calling out Dak, basically dragging him through the dirt. You're, you're, you're the team, you're the team Twitter. Like, what are you doing? What's going on here? But again, as, as the Eagles fan, I enjoyed a hearty chuckle on this and seeing the, seeing the Cowboys implode once again, uh, in the, uh, in under the spotlight in the playoffs and, uh, and going home for for the year so uh, additional interviews the Colts have made for their head coaching position Brian Callahan ben, Bengals offensive coordinator uh, has been their offensive coordinator since 2019 has been there really uh, helping to develop uh, Joe Burrow which as we all have seen has been tremendous I think their offense took some significant steps forward this year uh, it was a lot more um, how should I say it's a more uh, it's a more intricate offense than it was a year ago. Like last year, there was a whole lot of uh, hero ball or long ball to Jamar Chase, and he had a record-setting season. And this year, it's been a little bit more tough to, uh, a little bit tougher to come by, but, but it hasn't been as tough because they still are getting yards. It's just been different to come by. I guess it should be a, a different uh, a, a way for me to describe it. So the offense has evolved. Callahan has evolved with it. Zach Taylor's still the one, I believe, that calls plays there. So he's not a play caller, but neither was Frank Reich, and the Colts hired him a couple years ago anyway. So Brian Callahan, uh, if you're looking for a guy, Joe, to uh, to, to bring on a young quarterback, uh, look, look no further than an offensive coordinator in, in Cincinnati because Joe Burrow has, has been quite successful in his first few years there. Yeah, I think this guy has gone to the top of my list for that reason. Prior to Cincinnati, quarterbacks coach for the Raiders, quarterbacks coach for the Lions. He was on Denver's staff working with Peyton Manning, and Peyton praised him ahead of Super Bowl 50, saying, I mentioned Brian Callahan because he has been huge for me this year. He's going to be a top offensive coordinator, maybe a head coach like his dad sometime in the near future. Um, and Brian's dad, Bill Callahan, was head coach of the Raiders in 2000. To 2003 and was interim head coach of Washington in 2019. So it's kind of in his blood there. He, he's been working with quarterbacks for a long time. He's a coordinator of one of the best offenses in football. So when we keep talking about pairing the right head coach with the right rookie quarterback, this guy just kind of screams out to me. Chap, with, uh, with how much Jim Ursay uh, lauds and respects the, uh, the Peyton Manning era, evidenced by nothing more so right now than Jeff Saturday's place in this head coaching search. Uh, you you got to figure that if Peyton Manning has worked with a coach in the past, that uh, Ursay will go straight to Peyton for, for his opinions on, on Brian Callahan. So that's probably something that, that gives him uh, somewhat of a leg up, I would imagine, in this interview process as well. Yeah, because once you focus on your, your final five, six, seven, that, that's, what, that's what you take a deeper dive and you talk to people. And, and probably not with Peyton, not so much – how was he as a quarterback coach or working with you? But how do, how do you think he viewed things around him? Because whoever comes in as an offensive quarter, defensive quarter, special teams guy, they, as we've said, they've been in control of their own little world. Well, now they're going to have to do the whole picture. And that's why you've got to be sure that the guy – again, it's one thing that, that, that an OC has had great success with Joe Burrow and you know th those great skill people. How does he do when he when he's building that? So, but no, you you'll go to all these people you've talked to that you trust, and I think Peyton would give an honest assessment of what this guy can do. So you 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 turn over every rock to try to get info on the guy. 
That being said, uh, I did see a report from Andrew Gillis of Cleveland.com saying that uh, Callahan says he hasn't heard back from the Colts about a second interview for their head coaching opening. That doesn't mean that one isn't coming. I know uh, I'm not even sure completely if the Colts can talk to him until after Sunday's game. Can they talk to him or can they no. just? So there you go. So they're not allowed to even request a second. Well, I, I don't know yet. that they can't say, can we set something up? But they can't talk to him formally because the second round will be in person. And you can't do that with these guys you've already talked to. You can do that next week if they if they make the Super Bowl. They, they give you that one week uh, of a window to talk to guys. But I'm not sure why you couldn't talk to Cincy or the agent or someone and say, hey, how about setting up an interview Monday or Tuesday? Okay, gotcha. Yeah, the final uh, candidate the Colts interviewed the other week was Rich Bisaccia, the uh, Packers special teams coordinator who's 63 years old, who was interim head coach last year with the Raiders, went 7-5 and five after John Gruden was fired and led them to their first playoff appearance in 2016. I know there was some thought that they could have held on to Bisaccia in, uh, in Las Vegas. The players certainly seemed to respond well to his leadership well enough. 7-5 and five is certainly nothing tremendous, but you get to the playoffs, that's... It's better than not getting to the playoffs, but he's been an assistant head coach for four different teams. He's been has had a ton of experience and involves mostly special teams. Um, but Bisaccia, the last one. Uh, any any further thoughts on Bisaccia from you guys? I don't know. This is probably ageist of me, but he is sixty three. You kind of think comparing with a young quarterback, how you know how, how long will he go? Who knows? Maybe he'll go into his late seventies as a coach. But that, that's the only thing that comes up in my mind, and I, I don't know how legitimate of a concern that is or not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the age doesn't bother me. It's just like I said, if if you're a special teamer or you're a or defensive coordinator, you've got to bring in top level offensive coordinators or quarterback coaches. And right now, again, I don't know who is on the street that you say, you know, if you hire me, Jim, I'm going to bring in this guy to be coordinator. Well, it's not going to be one of the established guys. So that'll be, a, to me, a harder sell when if you get the Philly guy or the enemy or Cincy's guy, they're going to, it's going to be their offense. They will have their hands on the quarterback all the time. That's my only uh, point about it. Well, and I want to talk about that for a second, guys, that offensive versus defense kind of thing, because it, it it seems to me like I would much prefer an offensive head coach, especially bringing in a young quarterback. And whenever, even if it's a defensive head coach and you sell the team on the coordinator who comes in, if that coordinator has success, he's going to be plucked to be a head coach somewhere else. We see it time after time. I talked about it last week, how, Dan Quinn had Kyle Shanahan. They go to the Super Bowl. Quinn leaves, and the Falcons don't have another winning season under Quinn. Um, we see Brian Dable leave Buffalo this year, and then Josh Allen's turnovers skyrocket back up. I think he, he, he I think he led the league in turnovers as a as a whole this season. So um, I, I, it just seems to me like if you hire a defensive coordinator, but then have to worry about, or a defensive head coach, but then have to worry about your offensive coordinator being plucked, just hire an offensive head coach and you can keep the same offensive system in place and then replace the defensive side of the ball. That's. Do you guys see it the same way? Or are you less concerned about this than me? I, I see it similar to you. I would rather have an offensive-minded coach, but I wouldn't be opposed to the right defensive-minded coach. And to, to explain that, like, I think that, like, I'm just picking numbers out of the air here. This is just for example's sake. Like if you hire an offensive coach and you figure an offensive coach in general has maybe an 80% chance to be successful with your team and maybe a defensive coach only has a 70% chance to be successful with where you want to go with your team. Like it's more likely that maybe an offensive coach would succeed, but it's better to have the right one. Like if you're, you can still be in the wrong 20% with an offensive coach. So if you don't like a guy then don't hire him, hire a defensive coach and hope he's the right guy. But, but I think I said last week and I still, still certainly hold to it now that I think an offensive coach would be better uh, to pair with a young quarterback and see if they can grow together. Um, but, but like I said, I think if it's the right guy on the other side of the ball, who has, the right vision for an offense in spite of being more on the defensive side like that. That's okay with me. I just think that's probably a little bit more risky that way. And I don't know exactly how much that's hard to say 
It just feels like if you're going to draft a quarterback, you need a good, solid system around him. And I guess another thing is if you... No, no, forget that. Uh, that's ignore me completely. Uh, any thoughts from you, chap? No, I, I, I'll keep defaulting back to that. I, I want a guy who's going to have a firm influence on my quarterback. I, I wrote early in the week that I think getting the, the, the quarterback right is more important than, get, than getting the head coach right. I, I, it, maybe it's 60-40, but th- they can bring in the best head coach they've ever had. And if they whiff on quarterback in the draft, where are they? And, and that quarterback, I'm not saying any of these quarterbacks are transformational. I just, we don't know nearly enough about them. But if you hit on that guy, and, and he is that good We've seen those guys cover up a lot of mistakes. So I, I I still think it needs to be offense because you've got to have the right combination between head coach and your and your quarterback. Or, or it doesn't work. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with a hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. Let's dive into the Colts free agents this year, guys, because there are certainly plenty more storylines that besides the head coach and quarterback, even though those are the two primary ones, two most important ones for this season. Um, if you're out there and you're curious, we will certainly get into more quarterback options at a later date with uh, whether it's free agent quarterbacks, which I know you're all screaming at me or right now saying, no, no, Dave, no, please, no, uh, gouge my eyes out and no, uh, no more free agent quarterbacks. But there's a good chance the Colts are going to get somebody there to at least be a backup for a uh, for a rookie quarterback. So there's got to be somebody, I think, that the Colts bring in, unless you stick with Nick Foles and Sam Ellinger, uh, which which we'll talk about that too. But uh, but anyway, uh, there, there there are so many other storylines for the Colts this offseason that that are vitally important to the future of this franchise they're just not as vital as the two main ones quarterback and head coach so um, i think it's important to get the entire picture and so that's why today we're going into free agents our first free agent that we'll discuss we'll start on the defensive side of the ball is defensive end unique Ngakwe. in seven years in the nfl Ngakwe has never had less than eight sacks he turns 28 years old in march so he still has plenty of good years left to go in, in in his legs in his body he played 15 games for the Colts this season, was injured in a couple. His nine and a half sacks led the team, also had one forced fumble and eight tackles for loss. PFF grade is not a great one, not a very good one at 51.4. And his contract this year was for $13 million. I, for one, think that we have, we, and, and in the royal we sense in terms of people who cover the Colts and Colts fans out there have been calling for Chris Ballard for so long to do something to soup up the pass rush, get a pass rush, get more people to go after the quarterback. And Ngakwe fit very well in Gus Bradley's system in that he just runs after the quarterback and goes really far upfield. He's not really much of a run defender. You don't ask him to do that. You ask him to get after the quarterback. And he did that. He got nearly double-digit sacks. And now that he's done it, People are thinking, oh, well, maybe they could do better. Maybe he could be a little bit more of a run defender. He could be a better pass rusher. And I don't know if we want to resign him. My perspective is you finally got a guy who can take the quarterback down. And why would you, why would you so quickly at least want to move on from him? That's, that's my thought on Unique Ngakwe. I'm perfectly fine with bringing him back for another season. I know that there are better defensive ends than him that are more complete perhaps that are better in run defense. But 
it, it's hard to argue completely to me with with production. Like he's going after the quarterback. He led your team in sacks this year. So like, so my first reaction is just, why are you being so picky? That's my first thoughts. Chap, what do you think about Unique Ngakwe and his future or potential future with the Colts? One thing, l- l- let's just, t- with all these free agents, it's going to come down to cost. You know, and if the cost is right, I'll say we can re-sign guys. In Gakwe, I think he's a. He, it's just a strange situation. I don't think he was as good as his stats say he was. I, I, I can think of two or three that he got at the end of the half or whatever. I mean, I just I, I, I want more from my main defensive end, but without knowing who that next guy would be, you need to have, you know, he would be a nice fallback for me. I want, I wish I could have gotten more from him. He missed the last two games with a throat injury. And so he's really evaded, but he missed time, practice time with a back or whatever it was. My gut says I want better, but this is one where it's easy to not resign a guy. Who do you replace him with? So if not him, then who, but if the price is right, is, you know, is it another thirteen million dollars? I don't know. I I would say I would want better, but I wouldn't be too opposed to bringing him back. Also, he's uh, Joe. He's also in Gus Bradley's system. He's been very good in in his career too. So it completely depends on the defensive coordinator as well. Yeah, I would say you know if I was Yannick, I would just follow Gus wherever he goes because he seems to be able to get the most out of him, at least statistics wise. I didn't think he was all that impactful this year as someone who's watched all the games. He had his sacks. A lot of them seemed to come when, you know, I remember at least one or two unblocked against the Steelers. A lot of them Buck would chase somebody off a quarterback off of the spot and Yannick would, he, he hustled and he was fast, but I didn't see him straight up beat his blocker in front of him and get to the quarterback that way very often. And so I, I just don't think what th- paying him another 13 to 15 million don't know how long of a contract he's looking for on a team that's looking to rebuild right now. I would rather take that money and maybe put it at right guard along the offensive line, add a, add a weapon for a young quarterback. I, I, I'm i fine with letting Yannick walk. Yeah, and and you guys are saying what I've heard more. And I, like, I, I'm still at a point where I'm like, why are you getting rid of him? He's a productive player. He had nine and a half sacks. You need depth on the defensive line. You finally got someone who can get after the quarterback, and now you're so quickly ready to just move on from him. Look, you have to pay money to keep good it's, players. It's not like and I, I think would you need a good player. I, I know. Like I, I don't think I don't think either of you don't like him, and that's the thing. But but both of you, when we're talking about unique, your first reaction is, well, he could be better. I don't think he was a productive as much of a productive player. Some of his sacks weren't weren't all that impressive to me. Like that, that's the first thing that comes to to your minds, and it's not the first thing that comes to my mind. And, and, and I, I respect your position completely. I understand what you're saying, and I agree with a lot of what you're saying. But I think, but but like I said, I I, I think that the fact that you need more depth on the defensive line, or else. You're you're in in serious trouble in the NFL. You need players who can get after the quarterback, whether they are going to be a, uh, a a great run defender or not. And you finally have someone after the Colts, after they didn't have anyone like this for years consistently. Justin Houston, they brought him in, then let him go, and he's still racking up sacks wherever he is. Like, you, you don't want to let these people go. It happened with Danico Autry. He's gone. It happened with Justin Houston. He's gone. You let them go. Always to say, oh, well, we've got this younger guy. we got this Quiddy Pay. we got this Dio Odengbo. And I like both of those guys a lot. But but why get rid of production? That That's the first thing that comes to my mind when I think of Unique Ngakwe. And it's not the first thing of so many other people's mind, you two guys included. The first thing that comes to my mind is what's it going to cost? If it makes sense financially, and I don't know what that means because – He's gonna. He's he's a he's a pass rusher. He's twenty. Gonna be twenty eight years old. He he could get maybe a bigger contract, but if it makes sense financially, bring him back because I don't know who you replace him with, and there's nobody on the roster that's gonna step in and be that guy. I just think of guys like Pittman and Taylor up for new contract extensions, and think I'd rather invest my money in that that area than I would Yannick, who, like I said, in my opinion, wasn't as impactful on the game as his nine and a half sacks would suggest another defensive end Tyquan Lewis has been in the NFL for five years he'll turn 28 uh next week same age as unique and Gakwe actually uh played in seven games in 2022 had four starts and then once again uh had, had a uh, awful leg injury that has forced him two years in a row 
uh, to miss, excuse me, about half the season. Um, has nine and a half sacks in seven career ga- 70 career games, so the same amount in his entire career as Unique has in one season, just throwing that out there this past year. Um, his last year's contract was worth $2.5 million. It was just a one-year deal after he was coming off an injury. Uh, Chap, I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts extend him the same type of courtesy deal, about $3 million for, for a one-year prove-it deal, because he probably has more more value here. I don't even know if he does have more value here than elsewhere, but but we'll see what they decide to do. I wouldn't be opposed to, again, another one-year deal for Tyquan Lewis because if he can stay healthy, I think he can really contribute. It's just these last two years, they've been awful injuries to him. It doesn't... They're not like injury-prone injuries. He's getting rolled up on. He's getting um, just random acts of violence against his knee and uh, and, and it happens. It, it, so so that, that's my thought about Taekwon. I would love to see him back, uh, but it, it depends on cost, but I don't think he's going to get any uh, significant uh, value elsewhere. No, th- this, this is one of those no-brainers. You're bringing him back at, at your cost, at what you want to do, and I don't know that he'll have a market out there because of the injury. And I tell you, he's the kind of guy when healthy is a very valuable player, is a rotational guy. I expect him back. Joe? I uh, I wouldn't make it a priority. I mean, availability is the best of it, best ability, and the past two years have not been the first time he's missed about half the season due to injury. I remember his rookie year. Injuries have really plagued him throughout his career. I agree. When healthy, he can be an impactful rotational player for you, but he's, he's kind of the same guy as Dio Adengbo at this point in, in terms of what he can do, that outside-inside flexibility. Um, shifting in to defensive tackle on third downs. And so um, I, I wouldn't hate the idea of bringing him back on another one-year, $2 million deal, but I, I guess it kind of just depends on you get in there with the rim with whatever defensive coordinator is brought in and, and make a decision from there. Next player, also a defensive end, whose contract is coming up, will be a free agent this year, is Ben Banigou. Uh I don't even think we really need to go into too many stats because I don't think any of us uh, think that Banigou will be back next year. Was this Chris Ballard's worst draft pick, 49th overall? Uh, maybe, although he, <laughs> he played out his rookie contract. He did, that's unlike a, Zach Banner, that's who was a ama- fourth-round pick. That's amazing. Yeah, who got cut before the first se- his first season. So uh, I would I would say the other one might be Quincy Wilson, who I believe was taken in he was the a second 30s. Round pick. Yeah, yeah, he was taken even higher than Banigou. But yeah. when, you, when you think they took Banigou when they could have had guys like A.J. Brown, T.K. Metcalf. Uh, that hurts, Lauren. Joe. Uh, that hurts so much. <sighs> it's a tough one. It is. Sorry, Ben. I like I, I really like Ben a lot. He's a he's a great dude, like a really great dude. But you're a great, you're, you're, not, you're a great dude too, and I don't want you on my football team. Thank you, Chap. No, I don't. I wouldn't want me on on anyone's football team either. Uh, the the next player on this list is perhaps the most intriguing one, I think, out of all the Colts free agents this year, offense or defense, and that's Bobby Okereke. For four years in the NFL, Okereke turns 27 in July. He started 16 games this year. 151 total tackles, was top 10 in the NFL. Also had two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries. Uh, Was a consistently solid player this year. Got tackles, stuck his nose in. um, Played through injury. Played through injury. Uh, Okereke will get a payday somewhere, I think. But I don't know who's going to be here. Chicago. Yep. Yep, look at that. I think that's a... That's a astute observation from our Mike Chapel that he goes and he plays with uh, Matt Eberflus there in Chicago. Uh, Joe, I think you're, you're hinting on things like Michael Pittman, um, Jonathan Taylor, other contracts that I would give out, like Unique Ngakwe, maybe unlike others, that Okereke, although I think you would love to have him on your defense, if you're paying so much money to Shaquille Leonard in the linebacking core already and you want to kind of divvy it up in other more important areas like pass rush, like pass protection, like wide receiver, then maybe it's going to go elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. You, you can only sink so much money into your linebacking core. Shaq Leonard's already getting 20 mil a year, and Bobby Okereke is a, a good linebacker, but he's not a great linebacker. Two things he didn't do this year was sack the quarterback and get interceptions, and those are the game-changing plays that you really need, especially when you're going to pay a linebacker that kind of money. That's why 
Leonard got the payday he did. That's why you see a guy like Rokon Smith, who makes those kind of plays over there now in Baltimore, get the kind of money he did. And, and even in Chicago didn't want to pay Roquan Smith. So I think if I was the Colts, I would let Okereke walk and re-sign a guy like EJ Speed over here, who's also a free agent and going to come at a much more affordable price. Yeah, you bring up EJ Speed, so we'll, we'll get him too. Also, uh, getting out of his rookie contract, uh, played in 17 games, started five of them this year. Um, had 63 tackles, which was a career high, and uh, his his pro football focus grade was a really good one. It was hovering around 80, um, so that's always encouraging to see. Uh, he also showed up on some more bigger plays this year uh, when he was out there. Uh, he was more of a playmaking linebacker, uh, I think. So, uh, Chap, I think if you can bring EJ Speed back from the right price, uh, for the right price, I, I do it immediately because I think he's a guy that can fill in anywhere when when asked. He's a valuable special teams player as well. Um, so you have kind of your core three, it would be, in Shaquille Leonard, Zaire Franklin, and uh, and EJ Speed, and then you can build around them with rookie draft picks after that. Yeah, keep in mind they let Anthony Walker walk uh, after his career ended here, which, which made, it made total sense. And I think he signed with Cleveland for one year, $4 million. One thing that we need to keep in mind, everything they do at linebackers is going to depend on being oh, – assured that Shaq's okay. And, you know, if there's any a hint of a question that Shaq either won't be ready, which I don't understand how that would be possible really, or might not be the player he once was, does that change your, your, your evaluation of Okereke? Probably not, probably not, but it certainly would with EJ Speed. So, uh, so you, you've got to know that Shaq's going to be healthy, and I don't know how far out from the four months, five months, you might have a really, really good idea, or one way or the other. But Shaq's health would certainly change my perception of what they need to do at linebacker. They've shown they can draft linebackers. They have. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I, I, I would, I would probably prioritize speed over Okereke probably more on the on the impact plays and the fact that he's more than likely is going to be a lot cheaper. Well, wouldn't you think he'd cost something similar to Zaire Franklin, both, you know, mainly special teams pre- players who in their final year, their rookie deals, got a little more playing time on the defensive side, and then Zaire got, what, three years, $12 million, something around there. So I think speed would be similar price tag, um, a very affordable option, and with the idea that you don't know about it. Shaq Leonard, because if you were completely sold on his health, I say just go in with Zaire and Shaq. You play two linebacker defenses most of the time anyway with all those defensive backs on the field and then just draft somebody. But since you don't know, bring speed back. And maybe um, if Shaq's not able to play, I feel solid about speed, Zaire, and then maybe they draft a guy. I love it. Uh, that sounds good to me. So uh, from, from your mouth to Chris Ballard's ear, Joe, uh, make it happen. <laughs> Um, safety Rodney McLeod will be a free agent this offseason 11 year NFL veteran he'll be 33 in June so uh, he's getting up there all due respect to 33 year olds everywhere Uh, started 15 games for the Colts last year had 96 total tackles which was a career high for him eight passes defended which was a career high for him also had two picks had a great pro football focus grade of 80.1 and he only earned 1.7 million last year I don't know what his price tag is going to be, honestly, because he's getting up there, like I said, in age or how many years he's going to get in a contract because he's getting up there in age. But, uh, Joe, if there's any indication what 2022 had for Rodney McLeod, he's still got a couple good playing years left. He's a steady voice. He's a veteran voice in the locker room. I think he's a pretty valuable player. Like You would love to see him, I think, back on this team, but they do have, the Colts do, a bunch of young safeties like Julian Blackman, Nick Cross, who kind of disappeared this year because Rodney McLeod was so steady. Um, and depends on how much you want to use uh, some of those young guys. But McLeod, I thought, showed some real, real value. And Rodney Thomas stepped up in a very big way at safety this year. was better than I think anybody expected he would have been in his first year as a seventh-round pick. So it depends on what the Colts see in their future at safety this year, how much they want to really give a 11-year NFL veteran. But I think he can be really valuable to these young guys like – both rookies last year and Cross and Thomas, a guy who's still Julian Blackman uh, developing as a player himself as a safety. I I think he has great value, but 
Uh, I don't know what the Colts will see exactly in this scenario, but I can see them bringing him back if the price is right. It's a tough balance, but I mean, if he'd come back on the same contract one year, 1.7 million, why not? And then if, if your young safeties can't beat him out in training camp, just let them start. If they can beat him out, you know, cut them and go with the young guys because you got three good young safeties there. Um, but he outperformed all of them this year. Uh, maybe Rodney Thomas, you could argue, played really well. But certainly Nick Cross was a disappointment based on what the Colts gave up to get him in the draft and the hype he had during the preseason. He's very young. I think he was only 20 when they drafted him. So maybe he just needs a little bit more seasoning. But for the price, why not bring back McLeod? Yeah, but he also outplayed his contract. So, so if I'm Rodney, I I, I want more than the than than the one seven. And Double it, give him three million. I, and I would, and I, I would, but 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 what he, what he has to decide too is, at this point in his career, what does he want? Does he just want to keep playing, and, and play for the? Let's say the Colts offer him one, you know, one one year three million or understanding that this team is going to be in serious rebuild mode, that it's going to be a couple of years before they're really good. Does he want to hold out? I mean, not hold out. Does he not want to not sign until he sees if another team that's in a better position wants that guy? I tell you, this is the kind of guy that's easy to overlook. And then you look at the impact he had on this team in this locker room. You know, Mike Adams type of guy several years ago. There's such a value to him. He's going to have to decide, to me, he'll decide, you want to be part of this for lesser money or, or for, like, say, $3 million, or go somewhere else, a more favorable situation, maybe for less money. Yeah, I was, I was going to bring up two players, Chap, and I'm glad you brought up Mike Adams because he was the first one I was going to mention. Uh, the other one is Antoine Bethea because he was a player that the Colts let go because they, he was getting a little bit older at the safety position, and uh, he – he went and had a couple really good productive years elsewhere after he was done uh, in Indianapolis. So, um, so yeah, I, I think that there's value in him. But, but if he wants to go and ring chase elsewhere, after 11 years in the NFL, he has absolutely earned the right to do that, unquestionably so. So I, I think it, it's very much split between, like, if Rodney comes back, whether Rodney wants to come back is 50% of the deal. And whether the Colts want him back is 50% of the deal. And, and you both need to kind of match each other if you want to make it happen. We, we, Quarterback, we, we, go ahead. We've had situations in the past with players where Ballard has said, boy, we got rid of these guys and we really missed their leadership. And I think that's part. Now, you got to play. you got to be a player. But this is the kind of guy that I think Ballard really values in the locker room and on the field. So I'm really curious how that thing pans out. Cornerback Brandon Faison will be a free agent. Five years in the NFL. He'll be 29 in September. Played in 16 games this year. Four of them starts. Had only 28 tackles this year, but as a cornerback, that's not ridiculous. Six passes defended was a career high. No interceptions for him. Pro football focus grade about 56.2. Um, Faison had the unfortunate reality of playing this year and having a couple times where he didn't. He looked a little lost, and then the guy who was behind him, Isaiah Rogers, coming in and making some uh, more dynamic plays. So he had kind of the, the the fan base, at least, against him, and he had coaches defending his play, whether it was Gus Bradley when he was before us or uh, Frank Reich at the time talking about why they were going with Faison over Rogers at certain times. So that, that's not a position you want to be in. But, but there was certainly a reason he was on this roster, certainly a reason he continues to play for Gus Bradley. Um, I don't think he comes back if Gus Bradley's gone. I'll, I'll say that. I think that uh, he did not do enough to, to impress uh, and to stay here beyond the coordinator really wanting him here. And the coordinator's going to have some say in personnel, no doubt about that. But, Chap, I, I think it's more unlikely than not that we see face on as a Colt next year. This is the kind of guy that you can that you'll find at the tail end of free agency or in June or whatever. I I I, I don't want to diminish the position at all, but I I'd be surprised if he's back because I think this is a guy that in your mind you can get you can beat you can upgrade uh, through through free agency. And by the way, that was an error on mine. That was not a career high. He had 13 the year before with Gus Bradley in the Raiders defense. So that was a rundown error on my end. Thought I'd correct that. But no, I, I don't think Faison played well enough to earn a, 
second contract with the Colts, especially when you got a guy like Isaiah Rogers waiting for more playing time. Cornerback Tony Brown also going to be a free agent five years in the NFL. He'll be 28 in July. Played in 16 games this year, but no starts. And really was mostly on special teams. 303 snaps on special teams, only nine snaps on defense, according to Joe's completely uh, unreliable rundown right in front of me. Uh, so uh, he, he earned like $4 million last year. And I think last year, we, we heard this at the beginning of the year, talking to Bubba Ventrone about the special teams unit that they let go a lot of special teams guys before this year, and they were really starting over from scratch with a lot of a lot more younger guys, a lot more rookies, a lot more undrafted guys. So they needed some players like Tony Brown, who had experience, to play a little bit more. I don't know if that's going to be the case as much this next year. You know, if, if those rookies have a, have a year under their belts, another year under, uh, under Ventrone or un, in special teams, period, Tony Brown has some value on defense, but not apparently not that much since he only had nine snaps. So paying $4 million for a, a, a purely special teams player that you don't see that much on defense, um, I don't know how valuable that is. Um, but I wouldn't put it past the Colts to re-sign him if they really have significant value on his special teams contributions. But for, for $4 million, I just think that might be a stretch. I don't know. This is the one you, you bring back on your number or you don't bring him back because these, these are the kind of guys that, again, you sign later, you fill your roster later in free agency or I wouldn't say in the draft, but these are guys, unfortunately, for the player that the team believes it can upgrade later and cheaper. Agreed. Uh, defensive tackle Brian Cowart, the last one on defense that we'll talk about. Um, four years in the NFL, he'll turn 27 in May. Uh, had 227 defensive snaps this year, uh, only 12 total tackles, a pro football focus grade of only 30, uh, just finishing off his rookie deal. Um, I don't think we need to go too much into into Cowart, and I think he's a guy that you draft and replace. Yep. Yep, great. Right there with you. The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals, and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. Offense now. Another intriguing player who some others might think is the more most intriguing of the group, uh, like unlike my thought of Okereke here, but Paris Campbell. Four years in the NFL, he'll be 26 in July, so he's still a young guy. Uh, played in 17 games, 16 starts. He had played just 15 games in his previous three seasons. That was Paris's, at the beginning of the season, talked to him, that was basically his top goal, is, is to play as to play, 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 and he did. He was healthy. He was ready to go healthy enough to play, I should say, in all 17 games. In that, he caught 63 balls for 623 yards, uh, two touchdowns, had five carries for 58 yards. Um, chap, I would love to see Paris Campbell come back. Uh, it's not going to be anything like a dramatic contract, I don't think. Um, 63 catches for 623 yards is really not an impressive yards per catch, but uh, I don't know how much value he has elsewhere around the, the NFL. If people will um, give him maybe a one-year prove-it deal elsewhere uh, to, to see if he can take these numbers and get back to the level he was at, at Ohio State. I don't know if any, anyone will have that kind of faith in him. So, um, so yeah, that, like, I would love to see him back, but I don't think you're going to pay him all that much. If I'm Paris Campbell, I mean, I would my mind would be, what do you mean one-year prove-it? I just proved it. Yeah, exactly. So, I, I, I hear you. But, but I understand what you're saying, and I guess it would be, well, prove it again, you know, and I don't know that he wants to hear that. I know Ballard loves the guy. I He does for, I mean, top to bottom. I And it's so hard to judge these receivers, including Michael Pittman, all these guys, based on how bad the passing offense was this year. I mean, 
both of those guys were nine, what nine three nine four. That's ridiculous, especially with that with a run and catch guy like Paris. He has value, probably more for the Colts than elsewhere. I'm curious what the market says he's worth. I, I cause you, you, cause you're judging one year. You're you're judging one year. He had, you know, his stats this year exceeded his first three years. Uh, I I would bring him back for the right price. This may be one again to where does he believe he can get more on the market? Maybe you let him get out there. You you make an offer and say, hey, see what you can get, but but we're here. I'm really curious what the market says Paris Campbell's worth. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mike. It's all about the price with Paris Campbell. I certainly wouldn't sign him to anything long-term or, or not where the money's wrapped up long-term. And without knowing who's running the offense yet, it, it's kind of hard to decide how he fits into the offensive scheme. So you, you got young Alec, you got... Pittman, who you assume the Colts are probably going to bring back on a hefty price tag. So Paris is one of those guys, maybe if he wants to sign a one-year $7 million, something like that, you bring him back, but not too much more than that because you got to sink that money into other areas. You got another wide receiver in Ashton Doolin who's going to be a free agent as well. Uh, Dave's number one breakout player for the Colts in 2022 did not go how Dave thought it would with only 15 catches for 207 yards, although both of them were career highs, so I'll give myself that. Um, ultimately, I just should have listened to myself about my thoughts about Matt Ryan if I had turned back the clock a couple months uh, when I was making those predictions. Uh, but at the end of the day, Doolin uh, came our way with a pro football focus grade of uh, 71.6, so not bad. He's a second-team All-Pro special teams player two years ago, so that's good. Um, I, I think Ashton Doolin is another guy who has great special teams value who can be a four number four receiver, and I don't think anybody's going to give him a chance anywhere across the NFL to, to have a significant contract, so he may be more valuable chap for the Colts than he is anywhere else. At the right price. Again, yep. again everything's, everything's about the right price because, like Joe's mentioned, they're going to have major contract issues or, or, or things to discuss, you know, Pittman, J.T., so you really have to – that's going to force you to be more frugal elsewhere. I like Ashton Doolin, but, boy, it's got to be at the right price. I agree. I mean, he he's he was an un, undrafted rookie free agent. It just kind of proves that you can find guys who can come out and play good special teams for you. Offensive tackle Dennis Kelly, 11 years in the NFL. He's 33 years old, was active for all 16 games and started three games as well. Uh, made only $1.2 million last year. I think he's a valuable backup center, to, a backup tackle rather to have, and that's exactly what he is. Um, if you want to pay him that, great. Uh, to be uh, to be a backup again at tackle, fantastic. But uh, I, I, I doubt anybody gives him too much more than that uh, looking ahead. So if he wants to come back to the Colts and, and play on this team, he might have a couple of different suitors out there uh, for his services as a backup tackle. So it's probably more in Dennis Kelly's camp than it is in the Colts' camp uh, where, where he wants to go, where he wants to play as a backup tackle in the NFL. Yeah, this I think this will be Kelly's call because there were times this year where he wasn't happy not playing uh, because, you know, they brought me here for a reason. Well, it wasn't in his mind to sit the bench. But, again, from when we look at the roster build, how you do it, those are the guys you have to have. You've got to have that depth, at, at proven depth at tackle. And we'll get to the next guy with Matt Pryor. So it, of those two guys, I, I would bring Kelly back. Joe? Yeah, for, for another guy for the right price. And if he doesn't want to come back, there might be someone similar to Dennis Kelly, who I, I believe they signed later on in the free agency process. Um, there's guys like that out there, veterans who are – who can be solid for a small, you know, you don't want him to be your starter. You want him to play maybe three or four games if Braden Smith goes down for a little bit. So I wouldn't be opposed to bring him back on the right deal, but he's also not a priority. Last player here on offense is Matt Pryor, who you, you look strictly at what happened on the field in 2022 and you say, why on earth would you bring him back? Joe's already shaking his head. Um, he, he was benched at two or three different positions on the offensive line. Three different positions, says Mike Chappell. So, he was my know. biggest miss. I think I was higher on Matt Pryor than anybody heading into the year. I, I liked what I saw last year, and I, I think Matt Pryor should go somewhere else and get a fresh start. And that's the thing. I think last year when he was focused inside on guard, he was good. This year he went out to left tackle. He was not up to par. He, he just wasn't. They tried. Well, he's not a left tackle. He's not Exactly. 
Exactly, chap. You, you hit the nail right on the head. They tried to make him into something he's not. Matt Pryor has some value in the NFL, undoubtedly. And maybe Colts fans don't want to hear that because of his poor performance this year. But he has value in the NFL. Hey, fine. So, so bring him back and let him compete at right guard. Because he's, he's much better inside. They, it, this is one of the mistakes, like you said, that they made trying to force somebody to be who they, they weren't. And then you're surprised he failed. He had, he had one career start at left tackle. And he's your left tackle. So, yeah, this, this, this was on the Colts, not on Matt Pryor. So I wouldn't be opposed to them bringing him back, but in the right role. But it depends on what Pryor, what Pryor wants to do. If Pryor wants to get a fresh start elsewhere, like you said, Joe, I think that's completely understandable. Yeah, and I think that would probably benefit him the most. I mean, he, he didn't win the guard position either. It was wide open. You're right. So you're right. I, I well, the, but the only question, that, the only thing with that is he spent all offseason and training camp working at left tackle. So, so again, they, they, they put him in a position to fail at left tackle and then moving him around in the middle of the season. They're asking him to fail. So, again, he's got value because th- this failure was on the Colts, and I think he's got value is to bring him back and tell him he's going to be a guard. Two special teams players, and then we'll wrap things up. Uh, kicker Chase McLaughlin. For the love of all that is holy, re-sign Chase McLaughlin now. My number think... one priority on this list <laughs> is Chase McLaughlin. I think we are all in 100% lockstep on this, chap. Yeah, and, and let's keep one thing in mind. This isn't Justin Tucker. I mean, and it's not Adam Vinatieri pre-2019, but he did his job. He did it. He outperformed the contract, which kickers are going to do. But on an offense that could not get out of its own way, what he said, a franchise record with nine 50-yarders, I think it was. So, yeah, it's a re-shining, but make it, make it reasonable because kickers, you know, kickers are really good one year and really bad. You know, good old Brett Myers, has he missed another PAT in the last three or four days? I just went to take a drink, and he, uh, he missed another PAT. It, it was a train wreck. But, my, my, yes, he deserves another contract. Make it reasonable. But, but he, he was the offensive MVP sort of by default. But the, he did his job and rewarded him with, it with a reasonable contract. Yep. Joe, what do you want to see? Just a couple, like Chap said, a couple of years. This is going to be a Justin Tucker contract, but at least give some stability to the position in your franchise and let him know and let the team know that he is your kicker. Yeah, maybe two, three years max. And if the kind of contract where you can get out of if he all of a sudden starts to get the yips like kickers. Because that's do. what kickers get. Yeah, absolutely. So, but but he's shown enough this year, especially at a position where that's been so inconsistent. He he went out there and boy did he knock down the. He was a weapon from fifty plus, which is really valuable to have, um, especially on an offense that you know has a hard time getting into the red zone. So, uh, bring him back. The next guy on the list, Matt Hawk. I mean, this is Rigo's job when when Sanchez is healthy again. So yeah, um, and that, that yep. That, that was going to be my point. Like, you, you said it right here. The, the, the whole thing signed after Rigoberto Sanchez tore Achilles. So that, that, that's the only thing you have to know about Matt Hawk is his future is not in Indianapolis. But it'll be somewhere in the NFL because he's a punter, and, and he'll find work. But it's not going to be here. Solid for the most part. There was a few yeah. games where he shanked some, but for the most part, he was solid. So. That happens to basically every punter not named Rigoberto Sanchez. So it's fine. Like, I, I, I love Rigo. I think Colts fans love Rigo. Uh, the team I know loves Rigo. And uh, so, so he'll be back and he'll be punting. And uh, hopefully he, he's back to his old self again sooner rather than later. And also holding for, uh, for Chase McLaughlin in the future. Joe, what's up? All right, guys. I know we're going a little long here, but real quick, if we could rank our top three priority uh, free agents from this list to bring back. Who would they be? I, I, I can start. Number one, I already said Chase McLaughlin. Number two, I'm thinking EJ Speed. And number three, boy, I mean, it it, 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 it might be McLeod. I like your picks. I don't like that Unique Ngakwe isn't there, of course, as I've already said. I've already made my point there. Don't need to go any further. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do McLaughlin, Unique, and uh, I, I, I'd i consider Paris Campbell. Uh, it's between him and McLeod, I think, at that 
uh, at that spot for me. So I'm sorry to pick four. As well, I almost said Paris, but I thought McLeod would be cheaper. But yeah, I'll I'll kind of I'll I'll hem and haw and uh, in true fashion, uh, not make a decision. So I'll I'll go to those four. Well, and and since you didn't give us a heads up, we were doing this. I, I would say because of positions and what and, and their possible impact in Gakwe, if the price is right, McLaughlin, because the price isn't going to matter, it's not going to be that expensive. And I will go Paris Campbell because you got to if you're going to bring in a quarterback, which they're going to do, you got to give him four, five, six options. And I think I I, I wasn't happy with Paris's impact plays this year. That that was on the Colts again, but I, I think they need to bring Paris back because that room is not that deep as it stands now, and you can't afford to lose quality players if they can stay healthy. Yep, all makes sense to me. Uh, if you want, if you want to give your uh, new quarterback uh, the best uh, best possible path to success, having more wide receivers helps. And I think that just kind of goes to what whatever a, someone's personal opinion on Paris Campbell is um, and exactly how valuable he is, whether he would be part of that top three or not. So um, we do appreciate you all listening to this Colts Blue Zone podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone for news and notes throughout the week. We'll certainly keep you updated as to the happenings with the Colts coaching search moving forward. And we have a, uh, a bevy of podcast plan coming up uh, over the coming weeks, talking about different uh, positions of need, whether it's in free agency or in the draft. We'll, of course, get into uh, quarterbacks in the draft uh, when we get a little bit closer to the draft, I think. Uh, all, all of us know the names right now. I think that some more information will come out a little bit closer to the draft that would enable us to do a better podcast for you out there with all these first-year quarterbacks. Uh, so, like, we could do one now, but you would get more valuable information later on. And so that's why I think we're, we're kind of pushing back uh, the, the rookie quarterback podcast for, for a later date. And uh, so Joe has a, has a great plan moving forward. I hope you all pay attention and, and listen to us in the next coming weeks as we lead you uh, into this offseason, which is going to be a crucially important one for the Colts in the future. And uh, now you just kind of have a little base about free agents, about what, the, what we think or what we think the Colts may do or uh, value in the different places for, for these certain players that could be Colts uh, in, in the future. So uh, thanks for listening to this Colts Blue Zone podcast. From Mike Chappell, I'm Joe Hopkins. Uh, and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. 